The Utah offense looked like it was getting on track against Cal, then USC, but then the Oregon game happened, and yeah, Utah didn't score a touchdown. So what happened to the Utah offense? We're talking about it on today's Locked On Utes. You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown Utes your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you may get your podcast. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you guys like and subscribe. We love interacting with you in the comments. We are closing in on 2,100 subscribers, so appreciate if this is your first time checking it out. You guys smashing that subscribe and the like button on the video. Today's episode of Lockdown Utes is brought to you by Game Time. You can download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code Locked On College. It's all caps, no spaces. Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. My name is JT Wister, still former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. And on today's show, we're breaking down the film of the Utah offense. I mentioned the Utah defensive film was rough yesterday. Yeah, the offensive film ah, probably even rougher, considering as much as Utah's defense wasn't great, they actually held Oregon to their lowest point total of the season and. It's hard to hold an offense that good, even to 35, as weird as that sounds like. It's just, once again, they've scored over 35 every single game this season for a reason. And as we're going to talk about at the end of the show, we'll be talking about Kyle Whittingham's comments this week. Um, Kyle Whittingham said he thinks that they're a top five team. I, I agree. And as I said yesterday, I'd be surprised if they're not in the college football playoff because I think they're the best team in the Pac-12. And they're going to get, they should more than likely get a chance to prove it against Washington once again in the Pac-12 championship game. But First, let's just talk about what exactly happened to Utah offense. Because as I mentioned in the open, they did look like, you can look at the Cal game. That was a very successful performance. USC, obviously a really successful performance. Oregon, the exact opposite against them. Bryson threw for two picks, only 136 yards passing. He had an 18 QBR. I don't love QBR, but like that that fits for what that is. Utah didn't even rush for 100 yards. Uh, Devon Bailey played well, but outside of that there was just a few like money parks and near mclean each had like one memorable grab but that was that was kind of it so just not a good day so uh first i do agree also with what coach witt said and like what happened to utah's offense is the oregon defense the oregon oregon won this game because not just like the coaching aspect of it which was there i did think dan landing his staff out coach kyle whittingham and his staff but the oregon defense is better than the utah offense and the oregon offense is better than the utah defense both these things are evident on film when you go back and watch it and i think that's the biggest reason kyle whittingham was so effusive in his praise of just how good this oregon team is because oregon just was beating utah one-on-one because they're a better team right now i don't think there's any debate of that after watching this game i i've watched this game back a couple times now i just don't see how if Utah played this Oregon team 10 times, maybe they get them once in the super fluky game, but like I I don't think so. I think Oregon probably wins all 10. They're just they're not much better than Utah right now. It's pretty evident there. So uh why the Utah offense struggle? Well, I, I will say I, I think if you had to pinpoint it to one area, games are won and lost in the trenches, I believe. Utah lost in the trenches. They the offensive line was not able to execute well enough, whether that was in the run game. And sometimes they face packed boxes, but also give Oregon credit. Their defensive line stepped up, they did a good job setting the edge and uh, linebackers did a good job getting off of blocks. The defensive tackles did a good job holding up double teams. It's where just give Oregon credit. They were just executing at a high level. But I also like some of the stuff they did schematically. It's where Oregon's defensive coordinator, I thought, had a really good game because he did things like, uh, even on the blitzes, they did bring up the middle. 
you know, usually if you're an offensive lineman, you're taught to watch the balls, um, the balls of their feet to like see how far forward they're leaning on their feet. Actually, I don't think that's called the ball, so I apologize for saying that, but their tippy toes. Watch how they're leaning forward on their toes. That means they're going to come on a blitz. And I, when I go back and watch film, I look for that too sometimes. I couldn't tell where the Oregon rush was coming from always. Sometimes they would even fake, like guys would pretend like they would do it and bail out. Like that's where you see it wasn't obvious who was going to blitz, which is why you have things like Mokafisi and Coley not getting off. of the, They'll be locked up with defensive tackles and a linebacker comes right past them because they can't recognize that enough because pre-snap, they don't think they're, when they're trying to envision out, okay, who am I going to take? Who am I going to block? They're checking the linebacker and they're like, I don't think he's coming. I'm going to block over here. And then by the time that guy, has run right past him. It's, it's, it's too late by the time he's actually seen him. So that's where uh, it, it becomes an issue. So I did think the blitzes were very well done. Uh, not just the ones up the middle. There was a corner blitz in the red zone, Utah late in the first half. That was really good. I could not tell the corner was going to come. And uh, you know, Fano's worried about the defensive end. And so as Keaton bills is kind of focused on D end defensive tackles in that range too. So that was just a good one that completely threw uh, Utah off in that scenario. So I thought that was a good corner blitz to drop at the right time. And even some things like not even blitzes. How about the move that Oregon made on one key third down? They threw uh, Dolores, their top pass rusher, right over Coley. A elite pass rusher against a team center is always going to be a mismatch. And uh, because of the where the pressure was coming in, Utah wasn't able to help Coley in that situation. And he got tossed aside. And Dolores got the pressure in. And I, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I'm pretty sure it was incompletion for uh, for Utah. So stuff like that, getting your best players against players that aren't as good for Utah. And yeah, Utah offensive line didn't play great. Uh, Mokafisi and Coley in particular, I don't love calling guys out, but that's just, you just watch the film back and you're like, what was an issue was the interior offensive line. The, you know, Utah built some momentum going in halftime where they kicked that field goal. Would have loved for it to be a touchdown, but then you come out in the third quarter, you're trying to mount a little bit of a drive. Utah goes three and out. It was third and two. They run the ball to Jalen Glover. Uh, Coley wasn't able to turn, uh, his, his block inside the defensive tackle was able to win against him, clogged up the gap. He tried to bounce it to the outside and that's where the Oregon defenders were waiting. So stuff like that, even the first key, uh, fourth down of the game, just like from a, just a fact of like the offensive line, not really being in sync. Uh, you had a se sequence where they brought an extra offensive lineman. They brought in Falcon Kalmatule and, you know, everyone was saying Bryson should have cut it back inside. Yes, but it wouldn't have worked inside either because Keaton and Falcon both were moving towards the linebacker on the left side. Neither one of them had taken the linebacker who was coming on their right side at that time. So that and that linebacker was sitting in the gap. He would have blasted Bryson. That that play wasn't going to work for Utah. And one of the reasons the running game is also struggling for Utah this season, and especially against an elite team like Oregon, tight ends aren't blocking good enough. And I think that they would be the first to tell you that as well. Mickey Sugaturaga is not a natural tight end, even when it comes to blocking it. Still blocking through through things like through the whistle, just leverage, all that stuff. He gets too high sometimes. It's just not his natural position. And that's very evident on film because he got beat multiple times by defensive ends playing their natural position. Coach Witt mentioned that Landon King needed to put on some more strength. Landon King is a pass-catching tight end. I think he's ready to contribute right now for Utah. As a blocking tight end, this is the reason we weren't thinking we'd see a lot of him this season. One of the before the fourth down I mentioned on the first drive, there was a third down that they ran Bryce, and it was like a third and six. Utah would have gotten it, but King came across pulling and the defensive end was able to shed the block and make the tackles. So that's where the tight ends just uh, aren't blocking good enough right now. Uh, run run blocking execution, as I mentioned, wasn't, wasn't strong enough there. Then you get things like Utah, their big uh, kickoff return, right? Uh, pressure in Bryson's face and he throws the interception. That one was on him. First one was on Vaki for running the wrong route. We did just learn from Coach Witt's press conference that Vaki was not 100% health-wise, so that also played into 
why he didn't have his best game either on top of the fact that Oregon just was outstanding in their rushing defense is why Jaquindon wasn't able to get going either. There was just nothing there. There. So once again, some pack in the box, some of that, just them winning their one-on-one matchups, which you got to give them a lot of credit for too. So I mentioned some of those uh, third and short ones that missed to uh, the interception on Bry- Bryson uh, missed a couple throws too throughout. That does have to be mentioned, mentioning on yesterday's show. And I think even Sunday's like, there was a touchdown to be had with Devon Bailey, but he had locked in the money parks over in the middle of the field. So that's just another instance. And everyone loves to blame the quarterback when a team loses. This is not on Bryson. Once again, everyone could have played better, could have done things better. Coaching staff, players. This was a team loss for for Utah. And yeah, I thought the play calling wasn't great. I didn't, I didn't think the game plan was outstanding by any means, but I also just didn't think Utah was executing at a high enough level. So that's the biggest reason they lost to Oregon is they just lost their one-on-ones and they Oregon just beat them. I mean, just flat out beat them. They execute Oregon's better. They executed better. Not much you can say beyond that. So credit the Ducks for what they did. But the, obviously, some of the issues that Utah had would have been fixed had Cam Rising been in the game because Cam Rising is a top 10 quarterback in college football. I will still stand by that, even though he hasn't played this year. Happy to see him get on game day, though. That was uh, that was cool with all of that. But um, now the question becomes, can Utah, who is currently at 6-2, and two, can they get to nine wins with Bryson Barnes leading the offense because the results have now been up and down officially. So we're going to be talking about that in one moment. But first, I want to talk to you guys about one of the sponsors of today's episode of Locked On Utes and our friends at Game Time. You shouldn't have to worry about when you're buying tickets to your next big event. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets to all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. They have great last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, the best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. They have flash deals and zone deals on last-minute tickets. It's easy to find and buy tickets from every kind of event or venue in your area. They have view from your seats, too, so you know what kind of vantage point you're getting. That's something I particularly love that Game Time offers. They also have their low price guarantee, even advanced cancellation protection. They have deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. It's the place to find last-minute tickets. Mention the Game Time Guarantee, too. That means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-C-O-L-L-E-G-E for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Also, I want to talk to you guys about something else exciting we have going on the Locked On Network, and that is, of course, Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. Each Friday, Locked On will go live at 11 a.m. Eastern on every Locked On College YouTube channel for Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. They'll cover the biggest playoff implications for where uh, Utah will be, where, where teams, well, not just Utah, but maybe they might get brought up, but where teams will be seated in uh, that. You can find Locked On College Football Kickoff, where they also go over the biggest storylines in the sport at everywhere at 11 a.m. Eastern on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. Alrighty, coming back into this. Also, I'm going to talk about this a little bit in the third segment. I want to focus on Wits comments, but I do want to hear from you guys. Where do you think Utah will land in the first college football playoff rankings? I think that's something that we're all very curious to see what Utah's initial placement will be. As Kyle Whittingham was asked and did and did say confirm, like Utah's not making the college football playoff. Never happened to a team with two losses. And even if Utah was able to finish the year undefeated and win a Pac-12 championship, I just have a hard time believing that a two-loss Utah would get in. Once again, two-loss team, all the great teams you can think of in college football. No two-loss teams ever made the college football playoff. Next year, playoff will be available for Utah if they have two losses because 12-team, but not this year, unfortunately, for Utah. Alrighty, so talking about can Bryson lead Utah to nine wins? 
I believe the answer to that question is absolutely yes. I know there are going to be some people who are down on Bryson Barnes after this. He continued my favorite thing for those of you who listen to the show frequently, continue to call Bryson Barnes a third, a fourth string, all this stuff. When once again, he was very much in the mix for the job and not, and we like, I hate, like, let's not act like he started games last year, has had moments in the Rose Bowl, like the bit one of the biggest venues in college football where he shined and balled out. Like, let's continue to do things to discredit the pig farmer and make that a crazier story, I guess. I don't know. Like I say, it just bugs me how people constantly discredit Bryson in that regard. Like he wasn't started. Like, yes, I call Bryson Barnes a game manager because I believe that's what he is, but I don't discredit him by saying, Oh, he's a fourth string quarterback. Like what show me the backup quarterbacks in college football. For those of you who think even saying a game manager is not like, right. Show me the backup quarterbacks in college football who are not game managers. Five feet is the only one in Arizona doing that right now. Every other backup quarterback would be a game manager comes in. Heck Kyle McCord's a game manager right now. He's got Marvin Harrison Ibuka. There, there's a reason they weren't, they're not blowing out Penn state. They didn't blow out Notre Dame. Like they're, they're operating with a game manager right now. Like, I don't think that's a hot take to say like the weakest part of Ohio state's offense at the moment is probably their quarterback play. So, and I don't even know if it, it might be, it probably is for Utah, but eh, like I said, I mean, the offensive line has been up and down to um, the re- receiver play at times. Those are all, all things that factor into it. But either way, can, so can Utah win nine games with Bryson Barnes? The answer to that is yes, because let's look at their schedule. Utah will play Arizona State this Saturday at home. Kenny Dillingham and his team have done some nice things. They've played some decent football this season. I just can't see Kyle Whittingham's team coming off a loss and losing again. I don't have the stat in front of me. I should have looked it up, but sometimes you just think of things off the top of your head that sound really cool, and you didn't have time to look up the stat. Um, I, I just don't remember the last time Utah lost back-to-back games. I don't I don't see that happening, especially against a team like Arizona State. Like That is inferior to them. Like Arizona state's not going to be ranked at all this season. Utah is still in the top 20, according to the AP poll. And I, I do think this is just a game where, and we're going to be breaking down this game on the show this week, but this is a game Utah should win. They're the better team. They're playing at home. They always play better at home. They're going to be pretty fired up after the effort they put, not the effort, but just their execution that was lacking on tape against Oregon. So they're going to be fired up. They're going to be ready to go. And I expect them to come out against Arizona state and earn the victory. And we'll be breaking down that game. As I mentioned on the next couple episodes of locked on Utes here, but yeah, that's just one thing where I think that Utah should win the game this Saturday. Then you're going to play at Washington. They're ranked number five in the AP poll. Yeah, this probably going to be a loss just as of right now. I mean, how can we not watch what we watched against Oregon and think that Utah is going to go into Washington and win? And it's like, well, Utah was able to win at USC. Yeah, but Washington's better. And, also, Utah matched up with USC really well. When you look at Utah's strength is their physicality versus USC's all finesse. And Washington's not all finesse. They have good offensive linemen. They have players on the offensive and defensive linemen who are going to be legit players in the NFL in the near future. And also just with everything Washington is going right now. they're gonna, And I know they struggled against Stanford and also against Arizona State. That's They still find ways to win, though. That's what good teams do. And I, you take those teams a little lighter than you do the back-to-back Pac-12 champions, especially because Utah last time we went up to Washington did emerge victorious. And I know it's—I don't think anyone from that team is left because that was all the way back in 2019. So unless they have like a Brant Keithy type of situation, um, I don't expect anyone to remember that. But like that's just something at Washington. I think they can look back on like, hey, say they beat us last time. And that was a pretty good Washington team with Jacob Easton that Utah was able to beat with Tyler Huntley. So once again, I just don't think that they'll be taking Utah lightly. So that's probably going to be a loss for Utah. I don't know. Maybe the week of the game, I'll talk, try to talk myself into a Utah when you guys can tune back in then. Um, so that's at Arizona and at Colorado, the at Arizona game. I am so excited for Arizona is playing really good football right now. They've beaten 
Washington State. They've just beat Oregon State. Um, oh, I just blanked on. I think they haven't played UCLA yet. I was about to say they beat UCLA, but I'm not. I don't think they did yet. But anyways, Arizona's really good right now. Coach Fish, what he's doing, Fafita emerging at quarterback. They got legit receivers, and uh, their defense has been improving each week. Like this is where we thought. If you've been following Arizona, you could see they, you know, won a first few games that first year. The recruiting classes started to improve. Last year, got the big upset against UCLA, and you're like, okay, the next step is just continuing to get more wins, and that's what they've done. They're just on that track to being a successful program, and they've done it with a couple of top 20 wins so far this season. So give them a lot of credit for that, and I think it's a really good Arizona team. It's absolutely a game that Utah can win because the best unit on the field overall will be the Utah defense. Now, Arizona's next two units might be better than the Utah offense. That's where we'll have to wait and see how Utah ex- executing offensively. Um, we'll evaluate them against Arizona State and against Washington, and we'll see where we stand going into that game. But it's going to be a very tough game for Utah to win in Tucson. They're capable of winning it. As If I had to pick right now, I'd still probably pick Utah just because I think the Utah defense can force Fipita into a bad game. And I know Bo Nix diced him up, but Bo Nix also made throws that only he and the other top 10 quarterbacks in college football can make. Fifeet is really good. He's not that yet. So that's where I do think at the moment Utah would beat Arizona. And then look at the final game. Colorado is, it's a bad matchup for the Buffs. I think I started out in the season saying like, I wouldn't be shocked if Colorado beat Utah. And I guess I can't say that completely. I'd be pretty surprised though now because they're lacking in the trenches. I feel like some of the players, I don't like saying guys, I don't never like saying guys quit on a team. But I feel like at that point, especially like some of the Buffs offensive linemen and stuff like that, with the way Dion has just thrown them under the bus, like I, I and if in that point in the season too, I don't see Colorado winning. I, I think Colorado might not win another game this season. So they're not going to be battling for bowl eligibility. I think they could very well be checked out by the time they head over to Salt Lake City. So that's where I I just think that could get out of hand quickly because it's a bad matchup. Utah's physicality, their ability to Utah's ability to run the ball, the defensive line, get after the quarterback. Uh, it's not going to be a fun game for Shador and company. I believe the, how loud Utah is going to get all of that. I I don't think that game's going to end well for Colorado, the the fu- season final of uh, Coach Prime's first year. I just don't see that ending well. So yeah, I do see Utah getting up to nine wins. I see Utah finishing nine and three right now. And I don't think it's any shame in saying you lost to Oregon State, Oregon, and Washington. All three of those, I believe, are top 20 teams. Oregon and Washington, very well, maybe top five teams by the end of the season. One of those teams is going to be, and the other will be a top 10 team. So I no bad losses for Utah there. And it's just, it's still an incredible job by Kyle Whittingham and this coaching staff to get Utah in this position where they've won so many games. Utah could definitely finish eight and four though. I think that's absolutely on the table when you look at how Arizona is doing right now, especially that game being in Tucson. So all things we have to keep in mind. And that's because we're going to make it fun to follow along for the rest of the season. I'm uh, curious to watch and see what ends up happening with Utah too. I don't expect them to make the Pac-12 championship game. It's, it's a little different than all the tiebreakers and two loss stuff they had last year. And it's just a, uh, once again, I don't see a three-loss Pac-12 team making. I don't think that's happened in a very long time. It actually had did happen at some point, but it's been a, a few years since that happened. So it's just not a likely outcome for this uh, for this Utah team. So, yeah, I, I don't see that for in Utah's future, but I do see nine wins being more than likely what they'll get. Could they get to 10? Yeah, I mean, anything could happen in college football, but I don't know if I, I'd bet on beating Washington with uh, what they'll have staking on the line and uh, just how they've looked in general this year. So, yeah, and they can – and I'll just go back and say this too. Utah has shown the ability to move the ball with Bryson Barnes. I expect Vaki and Jaquin, you know, Vaki and Jaquin Jackson. Jaquin got nicked up. Vaki was a little sick. Those guys will both be healthy going forward. Uh, this is a really good Utah team that's only lost the best teams. Utah can continue to win with Bryson Barnes because what do we always say about Bryson Barnes? He's not just he's a game manager because if the offensive line does their job. If the running game is going, if the wide receiver is getting open, Bryson can hit those guys a, a decent amount of the time. Not always, but he can't hit them. And 
for that reason, Utah will continue to win football games in 2023. All righty, before we get out of here, we want to talk about Kyle Whittingham's quotes in his latest press conference. But before we dive fully into that, I want to talk to you guys about another one of the sponsors of today's episode of Locked On Utes in our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. You can score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if you your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including the spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So you can visit FanDuel.com slash college and kick off the NFL season. And there's tons of great games this week, whether we're talking about Chiefs, Dolphins. I'm a Vikings fan, so I'm a little distraught right now about what's uh, what's happened with Kirk Cousins, but the Vikings played decent football and Falcons not playing great football. So that will see who's going to win that one as well but lots of great nfl lines and of course college lines too that you guys can check out at fanduel sportsbook so make sure you guys head over there and get in on the great offer from our friends at fanduel all righty which translator to close this one out for those of you who've never heard me do this before i'm i'm just giving you my interpretation of what i believe kyle whittingham's comments mean as someone who records a utah podcast five days a week 365 days no that math doesn't add up who records a utah podcast every weekday. So uh, follows this team very closely and based on the press clippings and everything and watching the interviews themselves and just having studied, like this is just my interpretation of it anyways. And it's all just in fun. It's not supposed to be crazy serious, but this is what I believe he's trying to say. Uh, Witt said he has no issue with Stein stealing. I think he's absolutely right. I think some guy who's, this is what he means. He's been around the game for so long. I don't think he cares about the whole sign stealing stuff. I think Utah does it at some levels to try to earn a compete. He didn't even deny that Utah. He said, "You like if you're not doing, you're changing your signs up good enough. You're not doing a good enough job." I, I'm not really going to dive into the entire thing. I think there's some stuff with that Michigan thing where it it is true that they should get some form of penalties and stuff. But I think what Witt is talking about with the basic and legal form of sign stealing, then I don't think there's any problem with that. And I think he's right about that. Uh, also talked about the Utah offensive line getting beat. Yeah, they got beat pretty bad. That's uh, the reason that Bryson, you know, threw a couple of one of those picks, uh, felt pressure sometimes was on the move. Uh, like I said, the blitz pickup running game was not there. So he just talked about Utah getting beat. That was true. Also said Utah got out coached. Just flat out happened. Look at the game plan. I already talked about it on both episodes. Now the things creatively that Oregon did offensively and defensively that Utah failed to stop. And I didn't feel like Utah came with enough of a creative spin themselves. I liked a couple of things they did like special teams wise, the, the pass in the end zone. That was, that was a great idea. And I liked the ballsy call when you are trailing and not doing fantastic to make the play like that with obviously if it hadn't been caught and all that kind of stuff, there's a big risk involved in there. Um, but that's right. I think that was a fun idea and just a little bit of creativity by Utah, but not enough. So they get out coached. Um, he talked about what's great exposure to have game day was absolutely is, uh, we're going to continue to see clips for a very long time of Kyle Winningham on his motorcycle, flying around all over the place, seeing cam on college game day, went on the set McAfee, all the things he said to get the crowd all, uh, riled up in a positive manner. Uh, that's the great stuff you'd love. Like there will be pictures of that in certain places on the Utah campus. People always remember that forever. And I hope all of you who went to game day, that was an awesome experience. I got to go a couple of years ago. I'm very mad that I've never gone when it's been in Salt Lake. I really only got the, op- my only chance would have been this re- most recent one, but I wasn't able to make it out there, but uh, it's such a great venue too. And uh, whenever it stops by. So I was awesome that uh, I hope a lot of you got to experience that. And I'd love to hear in the comments, how was your experience? If you went to the McAfee show, if you went to game day, uh, what do you guys think of it? What was your reaction when Wit came out on the Harley? All those things I love reading in the comments. Uh, Whittingham was asked if there was an emotional letdown coming off, you know, the high of USC and then turning around to the Oregon game with some teams. This happens before 
I already mentioned I'm a Vikings fan. Like if you look back at the 2017 Vikings, they've talked about it many times how they could not come down from the Minneapolis miracle. And then the very next week in the NFC championship game, they got throttled in Philadelphia. This wasn't that to me. I, I just think Utah was just thoroughly outplayed it, just by a better team, by an Oregon team that Witt also said is a top four to five team in the country. I agree with that. Uh, I've seen Joe Clyde who called the game. He agreed with that on his show. Like everyone who watches Oregon pretty much thinks they're a top five team. And that was the difference. It was a top five team against a team that is probably still top 20 team in Utah. But I mean, I, I, we're going to talk about it in a second. I'm not sure the college football committee will, uh, will even have Utah in the top 15. So that'll be something that's, uh, or top 20. I'm, that'll be something that's going to be interesting to monitor in that regard. But yeah, it was more so it wasn't emotional letdown. I didn't feel like Utah was unprepared or anything like that. I just felt like they just got out coached. They were ready to play. They just met a team that was better than them and that put their players in better position to win. Also, when you're talking about Coach Witt, he said they could have attacked the perimeter a little better. I mean, yeah, maybe a little bit, but Oregon's coverage was good. They got after Bryson quickly. That's one where I think Witt's right. They could have done a couple things differently. He was asked about the tempo as well. Maybe they could the no huddle might have helped a little bit, but also, how many times have we watched a football game and like teams who struggle offensively will have more success at the end of the halves? Just those defenses get conservative. They start to play off a little bit because they're worried about giving up a big play. They really shouldn't, but defenses just always kind of tend to do that. So that's where I didn't, re- I, I didn't really watch the film back and go like, oh, yeah, I know they were talking about the broadcast. Like, this is Utah really found something. I just, uh, I, didn't re- I thought it was kind of just the lucky thing and it was. It's the normal end of half stuff. I kind of knew we were. It was going to continue to be a long second half. Just by the way, the first first half played out, and even a way alluded to that too. Final thing for Wits translator, he said that uh, Baki would play seventy percent defense, thirty percent offense. That may be true. I don't know. We just Baki catched caught and had, did so much against Cal and USC. Didn't feel like it was closer to like forty. And then defensively, he's always out there, so they're always going to give him a break after he. I don't think he's. I I would love to know how many plays he's on the field back to back that being Vaki. I don't think that happens very frequently. So uh, that's something we'll watch and, uh, and keep in mind, but yeah, 70, 30, I would put that more at 70 defense, 40 offense when he's healthy, but we'll see how uh, true that sticks to be. All right. Final thing before we get out of here, uh, let's talk about Utah as it pertains to the college football playoff, because as of the time, now you guys are listening to the next episode of lockdown Utes on Wednesday, we'll have had the rankings released. I'm very excited to see, where everyone's going to end up falling out and everything. And it's, yeah, it's always exciting when you do get the the college football playoff that all adds the intriguing element of it. But as for where I think Utah is going to land, mm, they're definitely, they won't be in the top 15. That's not going to be surprising to anyone, but I do think that if I'm looking at it right now, the teams where Utah's at Utah is at the moment for two lost teams, right? Cause Utah's not going to be above any of the one loss teams. I do think that Utah, so LSU is going to stay higher than Utah. They're six and two, but that loss is to Florida state. And then even Ole Miss and Ole Miss is ranked 11th right now. Um, so that shouldn't affect them. Oregon state will obviously stay above Utah. They have the head to head victory committee always values that Utah versus Tennessee. I think Utah should be above Tennessee because they beat Florida. I hope the committee respects that Utah air force, I think is an interesting one. And Utah does have the head to head over teams like UCLA, who's ranked 20th now. They also have the head-to-head over USC, who's ranked in the top 25. USC is an interesting one. I'm curious to see if the committee rewards rewards them for, for that. Kansas State popped up in there with two losses. So I think Utah will just squeeze in the top 25. I expect Utah to be at 19, I'm going to say. I think they'll stay above like Tennessee, UCLA, and those. I wouldn't be surprised to see a two-lane up there. Um, I think Kansas has a case to be up there. I know they're 6-2, and two, but off that 
win against Oklahoma. It's just very encouraging. Their losses were to Texas, and then the Oklahoma State loss isn't great. But, I mean, that monumental win they just got over a legitimate, like, top 15 team, which Oklahoma is. I'm not sure. I don't think USC is a top 15 team. I wouldn't be mad about that. So my prediction is Utah comes in at 19 in the first college football ranking show we'll see, or just the first college football playoff committee edition of the rankings that we're going to see. But I'd love to know for you guys, where do you think Utah will come at? Where do they deserve to come in at? What did you guys, was your experience like watching the Oregon game? If you watched it back or just watching it live, what did you think about the offensive performance and what the issues are? And do you think they can fix them in time for the Arizona State game this Saturday? Speaking of that game, that's what we're going to be talking about the rest of the week on Locked On Ute. So we'll be zeroing in on that matchup and discussing what Utah needs to do to get back on the winning track and earn their seventh win of the season. That'll be on tomorrow's Locked On Utes. We'll see you then.